Delaware Security Show. Don't let fishing get you down. Slow down and frown and turn it around. Security is in your DNA. Don't throw it away. The well aware security show. Don't be scared. Be well aware. You're listening to the Well Aware Security Show, and I'm your host, George Finney. Uh, if you're loving the show, uh, don't forget to subscribe. And if you're not loving the show, uh, then probably you're not listening to us talking about you right now. So uh, don't worry about it. Um, my guest this week, I'm so excited to have Jason Frugier uh, on the show. Uh, so Jason is the CISO for Rent-A-Center uh, and uh, this is actually his fourth CISO role. Um, Jason has held CISO roles in retail, uh, healthcare, uh, as uh, well as a global group information security officer at Citibank as well. Um, Jason has been a regular speaker at various security conferences and podcasts uh, and has his articles published uh, all over the world or over, over the internet at least. Um, and when Jason isn't working, his uh, many hobbies include uh, smoking the, uh, uh, the greatest barbecue in Texas, uh, smoking cigars, uh, and, uh, and uh, he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. Uh, welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks, George. I'm so glad to be here, my friend. It's always fun talking with you. I, I'm, I'm so excited to have you. Uh, so I, I know your fans are out there uh, wanting to know, uh, you know, you, you, you had the podcast Frugeology, uh, which I followed religiously. Uh, uh, you know, I, you know I, I would actually like go back to the show uh, when I was cooking my my, my briskets or, or what have you, just to, to get that last little bit of tip uh, uh, from from you. So, and, and any 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 wisdom you want to share? Well, I, I tell you, I loved making that series, and I think you know I started the Frugiology series uh, when COVID kind of set in, and we all had to stop going to conferences and things like that. So it's a great way to continue connecting with folks. I really want to continue the the show, and so I'm working on a new format, maybe some new ideas. Uh, as, as you know, I recently changed roles and that was affiliated with my last company. So I've got to figure out how to, you know, continue it and, and have it be kind of its own thing. So work in progress. So stay tuned, but it's, it's so much fun. And I really enjoyed sharing, you know, different recipes and comparing that with security topics uh, and so on. So uh, yeah, stay tuned. This, this is what we all do in security. Everything becomes about security, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm painting my paintings and like, I'm, I'm thinking about security. So um, so this week, we're going to have a new segment on the show. Um, so I, I've got a really cool announcement uh, that I'm launching officially the world's, as, as far as I'm aware, the world's first uh, cybersecurity personality assessment. Um, so you, you can take that free assessment on my website, wellawaresecurity.com. Um, and as my guinea pig, uh, uh, Jason actually helped me uh, uh, with, with the test. Uh, and uh, we're going to re reveal live on air what, what his results are. So, so Jason, uh, let, let us know, what, what, what is your cybersecurity personality type? 
Oh gosh, uh, what was it? Communicator, I think. Oh no, no, Security Beacon. Yes, you're a beacon. Yes, beacon. Yes, and <laughs> I'm not sure whether that was flattering or not, but uh, <laughs> so, but it was a fun. Do you test. like a beacon in real life? Are, are you are you just like a you know? Uh, I, I exude an incredible light, um, but that's usually the reflection off my bald head, and so. <laughs> uh, but I, I let that get to my head sometimes, and I. <laughs> No, I don't consider myself a beacon. Um, I think it was interesting because the way that you've got it laid out, uh, it kind of showed that, that that I do like to collaborate and and uh, and I can't remember the other cross row. Uh, yeah, vigilance. Yeah, vigilance. Yeah. yeah. So I would say both of those are good. Uh, you know, collaboration and vigilance are, are good descriptors. Uh, so I thought it was a, it was a it was an interesting insight. And you know, with any of these personality tests that I've ever taken, I've always found uh, some surprise there. You know, I think whatever we think of ourselves is usually uh, the, the less trustworthy <laughs> because it's what, it's what other people kind of assess you as that's, it's really the most insightful. Uh, and so, you know, no difference in this case, uh, quite interesting. And, and like I said, I do think the, uh, you know, collaboration is, is key, I think, to, to any success that I've had as a CISO. And so, uh, so I do try to fashion myself that way. Absolutely. So, uh, so, you know, just, just if you're following along at home, uh, you know, we, there are 20 different personality types in my cybersecurity personality uh, uh, matrix. Uh, so the, the, the first four cybersecurity habits on, on the list are all internal habits that, that you do your, in, inside yourself. And the final five of the nine cybersecurity habits are all external. So uh, what, what, what the personality test does is, is, is really it tries to identify your strongest internal habit and your strongest uh, external habit. So uh, I, I definitely encourage folks to, to, to go try out the, the test um, and, and, and see you know, what, what, what they identify with. Um, but in jump, jumping into to, to, to the show a little bit, um, so, so, so Jason, you've been a CISO four times. Um, and I guess the, the, the question that I, I love to hear from other CISOs is, uh, how do you know when you're getting security right? Um, or, or I guess, you know, to say it a little differently, like, like Goldilocks, right? So, you know, we don't want to have too much security because that means we're spending too much. Um, that means we're, we're, we're wasting our effort, maybe. Um, but you also don't, you, you don't want to do too little. Um, so how, how do you find the, the Goldilocks zone when it comes to security? Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent question. And it's definitely, in my view, this is more of an art than a science and trying to arrive at that. And I always try to remind people, I love the analogy of like a phone call encryption, right? Because it's just enough encryption, right? And so, you know, if we applied, you know, hardcore encryption to phone calls, everyone's batteries would be dead in an hour. But we encrypt it just enough that it keeps most people out. And so phone calls on, on cell phones are generally safe. That's a tired analogy, but I think it's an effective one because, you know, that is kind of what you want to achieve uh, with your security program. You want to have the best, by analogy, the best battery life, uh, you know, but you want your security rigor to be sufficient to keep uh, keep people from, from breaking into your, your environment. And I think the test as to whether you're doing that is that you're, you're not having, you know, like a lot of, a lot of security issues, uh, including in the user experience, including business disruption. I mean, everything's flowing as transparently and smoothly as possible. Uh, and I think you can kind of also gauge that by reading your executive team you know do they are they sensing that they're getting value from the program and that that they're confident in in the uh, level of investment and um, and the level of transparency uh, to the business operation that security is providing and when i say transparency I, in that case what i really mean is are you are you interrupting business at all you know with your security program 
uh, or is it or is it fairly smooth? You, you know, I mean, I, yeah, and I think if, if you are seeing incidents, right, that that's that's a you know a, a, a you know a prod to get you to go you know fix things, and you know it's like the the, the fool me once, fool me twice thing. You, you 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 know if if you're seeing more than you know, I mean, if you're seeing hundreds or thousands of incidents, maybe maybe you need to do a little more, um, and you know shame 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 on the CISO there, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, find, finding the right balance and, and, and knowing you're not wasting money is a, uh, is, is a big challenge. Um, so I guess, you know, one of, the, one of the biggest complaints from CISOs is that we kind of constantly have to, have to fight to justify our own existence. Um, so, so how do you battle budget fatigue so, so that we do get security just right? That is such a good question. And it's one that's taken me a while to, uh, to kind of sort out how to do that. I mean, I think, you know, if I was to call out the colonial pipeline, uh, the recent news there, for example. I think, I think you look at every board member everywhere, they're saying we spend millions of dollars a year on security. So did the colonial pipeline. So did everyone else who's been breached, frankly. And, and they clearly didn't spend money in the right places. So, you know, we're tired of spending this money and not knowing that we're spending it in the right spot, right? And that's that budget fatigue. And it's a legitimate question. And so they ask the, like, this is such a hard question when you're in the boardroom as a CISO and they say, how do you know you're spending money where you're supposed to be, like where it matters the most? And then they throw out an example like Colonial. And by all intents, uh, by all indications rather, the Colonial Pipeline breach was a billing system, right? That was affected by ransomware. And Colonial made the decision, you know, they can't bill for their services, so they're going to stop providing those services. And did the CISO at any point, Right. And I'm not trying to shame them. I don't know anything about their program, but was it ever brought forward to leadership that this billing system is supporting a critical function in a critical way? So we need to provide extra security to it. Like, did that conversation ever happen? And, and again, I'm not trying to call out the folks over at Colonial because I think it's a challenge for anyone to do that. And maybe they did. I mean, who, who knows? They may have the best security team around. I don't, I'm not trying to call it anybody out. I think the example, though, is, is salient in the sense that. You know, we owe it to our, our companies that we're hired to protect to, to understand what are the most critical functions in that organization and, and dimension the security capabilities in the light of those functions. So I'll give you an example. You know, my company, Rent-A-Center, our most critical functions is the ability to rent furniture and electronics and, and other things and the ability to collect on those rental agreements, right? So you could say those are two of the most critical functions we have. So what I like to do is take those critical functions, map the applications that are required to support those functions, and then dimension, you know, what's our ability to detect, prevent, respond, what's the resiliency, give it a maturity score. And of course you have to break that up. There's a lot of analytics that goes into giving that maturity rating, but where do you want it to be and where are you? And, and now when you go to your board and say, okay, <clears throat> our ability to rent and collect, you know, or whatever your business is, in my case, it's rent and center, but our ability to rent and collect is, is, is not resilient. We don't have a strong security posture there. And this is the resources I need or the strategy I need, whatever I need to, to implement to protect that part of the business. And now you're talking the language of the people who run that company. And, and now they're saying, okay, we do believe if we invest in that, we're going to be, you know, we're going to have a more reliable uh, revenue stream, more predictable revenue stream, uh, less likely to be, uh, you know, broken into with like, you know, like what happened at Colonial for you know, because you kind of see those things because you've done that analysis. And so I think when you, when you can dimension your security investment in that way, the board has a new respect for you and you become a part of the business leadership team because they understand that you understand the business that you're, 
you're protecting. You know, you know, I, I, you, you kind of jogged my my mind there. I mean, we, I, I in 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 my philosophy, right? I've, I've tried to get fear out of the equation, right? And 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 stop selling my program through fear. Um, and and you know, I think I've had some success there. But um, you know, fear is just one element of FUD. Um, and and that middle part, uncertainty, is is really hard, right? And I, I think that's one of the things that stands out about Colonial Pipeline is just there, there aren't any real, you know, hard details. So we, we don't know. Um, and, you know, again, you know, those guys have gone through a lot, you know, in the last month. So, you know, I mean, I don't want to shame them, but it's so hard to answer questions as a CISO about Colonial Pipeline because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what they were investing. I don't know what their structure is. I don't know. I, I, so, so it's hard to to go to my board or leadership to say, yeah, we're, we're doing what we need to do. Um, and, 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 you know, you can't compare and contrast. So, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I know there's been a lot of movement, but I, I'm still hopeful that, you know, through other, you know, SEC disclosures or whatever, the, the colonial will have to kind of, you know, come to the table and, and give a, a better, more full description of, of what really went on. Absolutely. I, I think things will come out and, you know, I, you know, every security team <laughs> everywhere is vulnerable to this sort of thing. Cause there's, there's things we just don't know uh, that could happen in our own environment. So colonial just serves as another example that we add to the list of other examples that we have to, to work from and to make our own programs better, sharpen our swords, learn what we can from it. I don't see it as, like you said, no, no, no shame, you know, uh, on anyone, but it, it is an interesting thing. You know, when, when you think about, the fact that Colonial provides like a critical, you know, utility function, right? And you think about what impact that had on the economy and so on. And, and so I think my first reaction was who put a computer, right, on that, on that pipeline? And then, and then as the story began to develop, it's like, oh, there wasn't. There was no IT and OT integration issue. It was, it was far more theoretical, far more abstract than that, right? It was the billing system, which wasn't connected to the yeah, but they shut off the pipeline because of the billing system. So you had an IT, it did, it did affect OT, right? You did have that, but it wasn't a direct connection. And so that's kind of an interesting scenario uh, right there. I think that's kind of one to, one to kind of learn from for sure. That, you know, again, uh, we, we've got we to have a fallback. You know, I, I know if my gas line, you know, go, goes bad, they're going to send them, you know, meter reader out to, uh, to make sure we, you know, we, uh, we, we work around the smart readers. So, uh, man. Um, so, okay, okay, so, you know, we've talked before about the difference between being a CISO for, you know, a large enterprise uh, and, and, you know, what you did, which is, you know, a lot of people consider going to the dark side uh, <laughs> and being the CISO for a security company. Um, so I'm, I'm interested if, you know, can you talk about the, the difference between the two and how, uh, how, you know, folks of us on, on the enterprise side can work with our CISO peers on the vendor side? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, first of all, from my own personal experience, you know, going from uh, switching the side of the table you're sitting on um, is jarring for sure. You know, it was, uh, I, I went to a company that I really believed in and I still do, um, but still, you know, sitting in that role where it's kind of a sales role left me wanting to take a shower after every meeting for the first, you know, first you know, ser several months. It took me a while to kind of get over that. And I really believe in that company. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, <laughs> you have to ask the CISO, you sit on so many, the receiving end of so many salespeople, you're, you're such a skeptic. Uh, you just kind of wear, you know, you get thick skin. Um, but, but that said, you know, as a, as a CISO on the uh, vendor side, you know, you're, what, you're, what you're doing for that company uh, that's different is you're establishing trust 
with the other CISOs. You're saying, hey, I'm a, I've been a CISO. Uh, you can trust me when I endorse this product. And so that's, that's the real biggest, you know, big value beyond the product security stuff, you know, beyond whatever you can do to ensure that there's good software development, uh, vulnerability threat management, good, you know, all the, all the things that you should be looking at from a product security point of view. You're also telling that other CISO, you know, that I've been in your shoes. I think this product is worth a look, you know, it's worth the investment. Uh, you can trust me. Right? And so I actually like that title chief security and trust officer better when you're on the vendor side, because it is about building that trust between the CISO and the company. And, and you do become that conduit. You know, that, that is really hard. I mean, I, you know, it, it's hard enough to, to be a security company and to, to get security right, which you've got to do. Um, and that's a full-time job. So, so being asked to, to also like go to sales meetings and to complete the, 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 the survey questionnaires that you've got to work through or answer questions, or, you know, oh, oh my gosh. I mean, that, that, that sounds like, uh, I don't know, an order of magnitude more, more work. Um, so, you know, kudos to you for, for going through that. Thank you. It was a good experience. I, one of the things that I'll say that's unique about my career is I have uh, multiple times now jumped back and forth between, you know, the sales side. Well, I wasn't a sales. I was never a salesperson. I've never been paid a commission. Uh, but, but jumping between sales organizations or vendors and CISO roles, you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing to go back and forth. Um, I think I find myself ultimately I'm just happiest in a CISO role. I love being a CISO. And so I think I've learned my lesson and I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> not, well, you know, not, not to, not to belabor the point, but I'm interested, you know, you, you, you have kind of specialized, uh, in SAP security, uh, you know, in, in your work on, you know, in the dark side. Um, so, you know, I, I guess I'm curious, you know, what, what special advice do you have out there for CISOs uh, protecting their SAP security or, or other ERP systems? That's a great question, George. I, I'll tell you, I didn't even, you know, I guess if you go back maybe six years ago, I couldn't even spell SAP. And I didn't know what it was. And I was in a company that was beginning a journey from migrating from Oracle into SAP. And when I you know, cracked the hood on that project and saw what they were going to do with SAP, I, I got very concerned because all those things I said earlier about protecting those critical business functions, I mean, that's always been my philosophy. You've got to put the most resources where they matter the most. And in order to do that, you have to know what matters the most. So what system manages your supply chain and what applications manage your HR data, the manage your financial data. And in companies that use SAP, SAP kind of does all of that, right? It manages the whole supply chain, HR, the, the revenue stream. It's, it's everything's in there. Uh, and so when I, when I started to look at that problem and, and I saw how bad SAP security is typically done, uh, I, I, I had to go, I felt like as a security enthusiast, uh, I had a duty to get out there and spread the word because so many people like me five years ago can't spell SAP and they don't know, you know, what good is it if you're worried about, you know, uh, some trivial, you know, legacy security matter, but you're, and you're not, you have no insight into your SAP security posture and somebody's over there, just your company is just completely getting taken out of commission. You can't, you can't provide services to your customers and everything else, but Hey man, you've got really good, you know, check the box compliance, security, your PCI compliant or whatever. It, 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 none of that really matters. If you're, <laughs> if your most critical business functions aren't being looked at and aren't being protected. So, um, you know, I went to the SAP security space and specialized there for a bit just because I wanted to tell that story uh, about protecting your most critical business functions. That is truly, I think all of us as CISOs, we have a duty to tailor fit our security strategy to meet, you know, the way that our companies do business. And 
companies that use SAP use it in a, in a way that it becomes the most critical application. So it's really a suite of applications, but it becomes the most critical suite of applications in that organization uh, most often. So, you know, I'm, I'm picturing you after that first meeting, you know, uh, you know, you, you, you figure out what SAP is and then you have to like go sit alone, like breathe into a paper bag and just go, you know, oh, what am I going to do? And, 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 you know, you, you know, the, the, the rest is, is, is history. Um, Oh, oh, I mean, I, I just lo love having you on the show, Jason. I, you know, you, you've got such cool insights. I, you know, I think your your perspective, you know, really adds a lot of value to the, the security community. So thank thank you for coming on and, and, and sharing your story. Um, likewise, likewise, George. I, I love every time we get to meet, whether we're meeting for some barbecue or at a conference, I always pick up something new from you. Your book's fantastic too. So please keep up the good work. Thanks for having me on. And I'd love to come back and do this anytime. Oh, absolutely. So um, I, I, I like to have my, my guests have the last word. So uh, any nuggets of wisdom you, you want to leave our, uh, our, our listeners uh, with? Um, well, I guess I, I guess that was it. You, <laughs> I think you, you really are doing a great thing here and uh, really impressive. I'm impressed. And it's a pleasure to know you. I'm, I'm glad to call you a friend and a colleague. And, uh, you know, I think I just like I said, I'd love to come back on and do some other work with you. Maybe if I get Frugiology going again, we can uh, we can do a whiskey or, or barbecue show together. I think that, that, that is a date. Def de definitely feel this feel the same way. And you know, th thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, uh, again, don't don't forget to subscribe. And I'll, I'll let you know when when Frugiology is back. See you next time.